If you want to secure your retirement on your own terms, you need to go beyond conventional financial strategies. Stick around. We'll introduce you to new perspectives for enhanced wealth creation and protection. Now, on to our podcast, Beyond Conventional, with Joe Beyondolilo. Hello and welcome to podcast number three. Today we're going to continue uh, diving a little bit deeper on the six universally accepted financial myths with Beyond Financial. Today we're going to be talking about being in a lower tax bracket in retirement. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast, and let's dive right in. Hey, how are you, Matt? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Awesome. So what are we talking about here with this lower tax bracket? This, it sounds to me like I'm already setting myself up for uh, an education here. You know, it's, it's again, beyond conventional thinking. Um, so oftentimes when it comes to retirement, Matt, Many of the folks that we work with and discuss some of their current financial plans, they're typically set up with the thought process of they will be paying less money in tax from an income perspective in retirement. Okay. And as we kind of go through the financial engineering evaluation, which we begin to realize oftentimes is that many of the things that we're doing day to day aren't necessarily the right thing for us. And the fact that we may be paying higher taxes in retirement, there might not be much we can do about it, but we should certainly plan for it. Well, why is this though? Why why might we be in a, in a different tax bracket? What are some of the things that contribute to this potential increase? So think about it, Matt. When think about retirement, you think about your income, you think about your lifestyle. Somebody's really telling you when they tell you that they'll be in a lower income tax bracket in retirement, amongst other things, it's really two main things that it comes down to. They're telling you either number one, you'll be earning less money in retirement than you're earning today. So essentially, if, if that's the goal, if that's the objective, we could argue that that goal is to have financial failure, right? Sure. Um, I don't. The, the objective is not necessarily to have less income in retirement for, for most people. So being in a lower income tax environment in retirement could mean that you'll have less income. The other thing that it could mean is that as a society, tax rates will be lower than they are today. Ooh. And it, it's, it, it's, it's interesting, Matt, because when I have this conversation with folks, um, most people say the same thing. Well, wow, we're in a, we are in a very high tax bracket. And quite frankly, the average top rate in society is 68% higher than high, the highest tax rate today of 39.6%. Oh, wow. Pretty interesting. Yeah. The average top income tax rate, if you go back 60 years, 70 years, it's 57.62%, which is 68% higher than the highest top rate for, for today. Wow. Interesting, huh? Yeah, but you just said something else, man, that, that makes me kind of a little, not necessarily uncomfortable, but really got the gears turning is, is I don't want to make less money in retirement, right? I want to enjoy my retirement. That seems like a, a very strange thing that people think. Am, am I off there? You know, you're, you're, are you off? No. However, people just kind of hear that from different sources and they begin to think that it's correct. So, 
you don't want to have less income in retirement. You know, I'll oftentimes ask a client a simple question. In a seven-day work week, we work typically five days a week, and I'll ask a client who's currently working in what we refer to as the wealth creation phase of his life, mm-hmm. what day he typically spends the most money of a seven-day week. That's Saturday. Okay, great. So that's, <laughs> I mean, I know that's, that for And that's a fact. the answer yeah. with certainty yeah. 99% of the time. Sure. Um, and when you retire, every day is a Saturday. Yeah. The goal isn't to really work very, very hard and be diligent and put all this money away. And then in retirement, just kind of sit home and do nothing. It's supposed to be nice dinners, vacations, time with your family, mm-hmm. um, giving to the grandchildren, all the things that we kind of think retirement is when you close your eyes and you see the two people sitting on a beach with the beautiful water and the sunset. Mm-hmm. That, does, that doesn't go too well if you don't have any money. Right. So our intention is always to have more money in retirement, not necessarily less. And one way that we're certainly not going to have that is by paying more money in tax in retirement. Sure, sure. So it's something we certainly need to factor into. Well, so help us with that. Educate our listeners here on on how you can help people have more money in retirement or really just deal with this whole myth in general. I mean, how, how do you combat this with the people that you work with currently? Well, you know, if you Google what percentage of people have less money in retirement and put that exact phrase into a Google tagline, the first two things that come up, number one is a Time Magazine article, and the title is One in Three Americans Have No Retirement Savings. Oh, yeah. The second thing that comes up, which is a Money.com article, is one in four Americans have less than $1,000 saved for retirement. Wait, so, a, wait a second. You just said less than $1,000? Well, to be clear, money.com said one in four Americans <laughs> okay. have less than 1000 Whoa. I'm just reporting the information. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Okay, but you're the bearer <laughs> of bad news and pretty scary news if you ask me. So, so, so what, what do con- you do? When conventional financial strategies tells you that you will be in a lower income tax environment in retirement, the truth be told, they are, if they're speaking about the average person, they might be right because you're going to have so much less income. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what that means. Social Security, most people think tax, which again, could be considered true. But it's only true if half of your benefit plus all of your other income is less than $25,000. Okay. $32,000 if you're, if you're a married couple. So, again, setting up for financial failure could mean you're paying less money in taxes. So to answer the question that you asked, what, what do you do about it? Well, let's look at what Time Magazine and Money Magazine tells us, and that's simply that people are not saving. They're not saving. You only wind up with so little money if you're not saving a percentage of your income. So the first thing we really try to do with our clients is make them superstar savers, amazing savers. Okay. Control as much of your cash flow. Everybody's so focused about the assets and the rates of return, they're, they're not focusing on the income and the expenses. If we could really focus on cash flow and save anywhere from 15 to 20% of gross income, you'll begin to accumulate savings, which will help combat not having retirement money. So what happens though, Joe, when saving 15 to 20% of my income 
maxes out my 401k. What, what else do I do? Because most of our listeners are going to have 401ks, and, and hopefully they're maxing out their 401k. But but that could potentially only be 8 to 12% of their income. What do we do with the other potential 8%? Do you see? Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm not asking a, a clear question. Does that question make sense? Well, you're, you're asking the question very clear. My concern is that we we might be, for our regular listeners, confusing people because okay. it, we don't we can't assume that that first fifteen percent of savings should go into a four hundred one k. Aha, that's some that's something that needs to be determined because well, first off, that could begin to com- complicate the tax situation in retirement. Because don't forget, one of the other myths, which I think we should maybe speak about in another podcast exclusively, is that your 401k is a tax savings. That well, isn't necessarily the truth. Well, in what you just said there, with 70 years ago, the tax rates were, were 60 plus percent higher. I mean, that, that really does put a lot of that in, into uh, into perspective. Okay, so aggressive savings, right? So what else can we do? Now, and what do you help your clients with now in order to overcome this? Debt configuration. You want to eliminate inefficient, unsecured debt that reduces your cash flow and savings from short-term liquidity. See, many times when people come to us, the reason why they don't have disposable income is because the majority of their money is going to pay for things that they've already consumed, which was purchased on unsecured or credit card debt. Okay. It's inefficient, it's ineffective, and it erodes away a large percentage of folks' cash flow. Hmm. So how do you how do you extract that from your clients? By, by really understanding all the inflows and the outflows and, and kind of looking at their financial cash flow at 30,000 feet, it gives us the ability to see what's inefficient and what's inefficient. We look to see where they have lost opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. We look to see where they're not properly protected. And we, we look to see how their current present position has them in a situation which could have them susceptible to unintended consequences. And those unintended consequences or commonly referred to as wealth eroding factors, Matt, could be volatility in markets, but taxation. It could be inflation. It could be the lost opportunity cost of unsecured debt. It could be the inefficient tax consequence of unsecured debt. It could be not having proper disability protection or or death protection or health insurance. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that their cash flow is working as efficiently as possible so they're in control which will allow them to stay ahead of taxation later on in life. So you've covered two of these sub-myths within, or, or ways to combat this, you'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement with. Uh, you've got two more here, so what, what, is the, what is the third one? Well, you want to implement strategies for your money that minimize risk and maximize preservation for future distribution. And what that means is we always think it's best to have a financial plan that provides two key components. And number one, and and these could be accomplished through a a variation of different financial instruments. It's not, the product isn't nearly as important as the process of how your cash flow works. And that is that number one, you wanna minimize risk. You wanna put yourself in a position where you could control your money. And you wanna put yourself in a position where 
your preserved capital is going to give you tax-efficient income in retirement later on in life. And by consistently postponing the taxes that you're paying today, what you're doing is you're assuring yourself that you're going to recapture those taxes in an unknown tax bracket at a date and time, which could result in you paying more money in tax than if you paid the tax today. Yeah. Okay. Huh. I'm sorry, you got my gears really grinding here now. Can you can you expand on that just a little bit more? Well, look at it like this. I'll ask you a couple of questions. We currently have a $19.84 trillion deficit. And this occurs very simply because the government spent last year a little over $4 trillion, and they had revenue or income, just like a business would, of $3.6 trillion, which means they spent more than they've brought in. Mm -hmm. So we want folks to understand how the government works very simply. Where's that deficit go? Wars, military spending. In 2009, we're still paying for a stimulus package of the bailout of the economy. Mm-hmm. So when the government has this large deficit, this large debt, we have to understand the relation of the government's debt and our debt, which is ultimately the taxes on potential qualified or deferred income. And when a government has a deficit or when they owe that much money, what are the ways that they can recapture some money to start paying back part of that debt? Well, they're going to they're gonna tax us in a different way. They're going to do it one of two ways. They're both some sort of a taxation, as you alluded to. Okay. Number one is they could cut benefits, which if if we've paid into something or had an expectation for something and that no longer existed, essentially that's an increased tax because now that's something we have to pay. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to that, they could increase taxation. So understanding that the future taxation on our assets could be a tremendous amount of what we actually have saved – What we want to do is begin to put ourselves in a position where we can maximize savings, maximize cash flow today that won't be eroded from debt, which ultimately will allow clients to maximize their wealth while maintaining control over their money, not only now, but also in retirement. So this last one that we're covering today in in myth number one talks about protection, What do you mean by protection? It sounds like all of these other things that you're talking about are going to help me be protected already. Better savings, making sure that I'm I'm, I'm minimizing my risk and maximizing um, preservation, that my debt is under control. What, What else do I need to protect? Well, there's many elements of protection. And when we talk about protection first planning, some of the elements that we're discussing are replacing one's income replacing assets. One frequent tool that we speak with clients about is, and it's it's a way for us to be able to increase consumption in retirement, is by having life insurance that's permanent in their retirement years, which will allow them the flexibility of spending down assets in a way that they might not have been able to do without that insurance in place. And the reason that could happen, Matt, is because if you know you have a future value certain, if you know you have a certain amount of money guaranteed to come at a point in time, which could be death, it gives you far more flexibility on how to spend that asset today. And if you have the ability to spend all of the assets that you've accumulated, both qualified and non-qualified, that could be a way for you to have a more tax-efficient retirement income 
with a higher amount of retirement income to allow you to consume the way you're accustomed to consuming in your retirement years, which is really the opposite of conventional planning, which is to accumulate assets and then just live off the interest of them. Right. Well, now I can understand uh, a permanent life insurance policy for making sure that my heirs are taken care of. But if you don't mind, can how does that apply to me? Can you break that down a little bit more? How does that apply to me in retirement, though? So when when you make mention of life insurance allowing your heirs to be taken care of, can you explain to me what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I pass away, right? And, uh, you know, my heirs are able to get a specific amount of money uh, that I wanted them to be able to live on either them or my grandkids or, or things like that. So it's a, it's an inheritance. It's a aspect of my legacy. So if you had assets, right, and those assets, regardless of where they are, were in your control, if you died and your spouse died, your legacy would be whatever balance is left over. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Right. So traditionally, the, the way people have battled with outliving their money in retirement would be to preserve assets live on small amounts and increments of interest on those assets. And upon death of both you and your spouse, the legacy is the balance of wealth that's retained. And and the goal ultimately Mm. becomes not to spend all of the money because that money is your legacy. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. That's, that's very clear. What people don't realize in doing that is what they, what they're deciding to do at that point is Uh self-insure. They're self-insuring their legacy. Okay. They're self-insuring their retirement because without having permanent insurance in place, they're forced to not spend all of their money. They're forced to hold on to the wealth that they have as the only potential opportunity for a legacy. Hmm. By having insurance equal to one's assets, you have the permission to consume those assets knowing that that life insurance will replace the asset you've spent tax efficiently Mm -hmm. when you're gone. Are we going to dive into that more deeply in later podcasts? Are we going to dive more into the tax efficiency of these, of, of life insurance and these different strategies that you're talking about? Do you think that would be beneficial? I, for I the do, listeners? I do, because I personally I would love to hear it. And if if I'm sitting on the other side of the mic from you and I want to hear it, I'm I'm, I'm assuming that that would be something very interesting to for our, our listeners. I think you're making all kinds of sense. Good, 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 good. Well, anything that you want to say in closing about this first of the six financial myths that you'll be in a lower uh, lower income tax bracket in retirement? The only thing I'd like to say is that people should be open-minded and understanding of every financial decision that they make because there's no one right answer. There's no one size fits all. Uh, Proper financial strategies is ultimately the integration and coordination of all of your assets and understanding the advantages and disadvantages of everything that's in your overall financial plan. And hopefully this opens people's eyes to some of the myths that we've often heard about the taxation on qualified retirement plans. All right, Joe, thank you for your time today. My pleasure, Matt. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Contact your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Beyond Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. By providing this content, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Joseph Biondalillo is a financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Beyond Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0I32947. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1281376. Submission Number 2023-151745. Expires 03-2025.